So hey, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. Thank you for watching us online. So glad you're here. Hey, can we also give some, a shout out to Pastor Thomas and Amity real fast? They are awesome. So thankful for their leadership. Um, who knows, uh, they've just been working so hard the last five years, and honestly, probably more than the last five years, I know, the last two and a half years had just been like, they've been leading us through the renovation, and this pandemic working so hard, and I was thinking about this, and during the renovation, I remember Adrian and I had some friends, and they were like, hey, we'd really love to come see everything that you guys are doing at the church, and we're like, okay, yeah, please, like, come on on Sunday, so they came, and we're really excited, and they walked through the doors, and they're like, oh, wow, you've torn down this wall, and boarded up those windows, and painted this, and like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting, and then they go, um, you, you realize you don't have a ceiling, right? Because out there, you know, there's like, we had no ceiling for a while, and I'm like, yeah, I know, but I promise, it's gonna look so good, and they're like, yeah, but there's kind of wires hanging everywhere. Is this really safe? I'm like, oh yeah, for sure it's safe. Let me show you where the kids' area is, right? And uh, yeah, they didn't come back, but that's okay. That's okay. We're, we're nearing the end of this renovation. They've just been working so hard, and I just want to thank Pastor Thomas for giving me this opportunity to speak to you guys today. And uh, really, it's just been an honor to be here in this church. I've been attending here for 17 years, uh, been on staff, just started my third year here and I just have to say, whether I've been attending or on staff, this, is, this church, this church body, all of you guys have been a huge blessing to me and my family. So I just want to say thank you to you guys. Um, so I want to start with the message with a question this morning. Who in here has a life verse? Show of hands. I work with youth, so I need like, people like, I'm going to draw some things out of you. Come on. Life verses, show of hands. Anyone have a life verse? Okay, I think like three people have a life verse. We're going to have to change that, okay? Life verses, if you don't know, I bet we had a lot of people raising your hand. Say life verse in the chat if you have a good life verse, right? Put it in the chat if you want to. But this is a life verse, okay? A life verse is just something that, man, in the good times and the bad times. You know what I'm saying? It like, doesn't matter what kind of situation it is. If you are having a rough day or a great day, you can read this verse and spiritually it just speaks to you. You know what I'm saying? and you get spiritually pumped up, and it strengthens you. It's a promise of God. Philippians 4.13, John 3.16, something, right? And every time you read it, you go, oh, that's what I need to hear today. While I was preparing this message, the Lord really revealed to me, he said, Micah, this is uh, a life message for you. And I was like, well, well, I know what a life verse, what's a life message? And he just revealed every time I read these scriptures that I'm going to share with you today, every time I talk about this topic, every time, and I talk about it to Adrian all the time, it's something that I just think about all the time. I'm sure she's tired of me talking actually about it, but every time I read these scriptures, I get spiritually pumped up. I'm like, man, that's exactly what I need to hear. This is exactly what I need to do, and I'm really excited to share it with you guys this morning. But this message did not start off a week and a half ago like most messages do, right? So usually a pastor gets away by himself, and they always encourage, like, get a word from God, you know, then, then work it out and figure out what you want to say. And that didn't start a week and a half ago when I actually started writing down my notes. This message actually started five or six years ago. And to be honest, five or six years ago, I was going through a really, really awesome time in my life. Right? You thought I was going to say bad time, right? No, it was an awesome time in my life. I had just gotten a, a second child born to me. I was like, man, growing family is so beautiful. I had and have a beautiful wife, Adrian. Can you guys give her some praise? She's just awesome. 
If you don't know Adrienne, she gets a worship, uh, she wor- is a worship leader here, and it's really fun when I play drums and we get to do that together. Uh, I think that's something fun. It's a couple we get to do. Um, but, I mean, she's a gifted speaker, singer, all that stuff, and that's how you guys get to see her. But I get to see her behind closed doors, and I get to see her be a mom. Uh, I get to see her be a wife, a friend, a daughter, a sister. And I just have to say, there is no one, no one that I think has more genuine relationship with the Lord than Adrian. What you see is what you get, and I just have to say, I'm looking over there because she was over there earlier, but man, it's not, I'm not looking at Pastor Eddie, but, <laughs> but I just have to say, I love her to death, and uh, she's just a huge encouragement to me, so, but anyway, life was going, like, really, really well. I just had another, my second kid, growing family, had the beautiful, perfect wife. I just got a new job, and it wasn't that I didn't enjoy my old job. It was just that I didn't enjoy my old job, and so I had got this new job. It came with a huge pay increase, so Adrian and I were just kind of like, yeah, come on, right? We had money to burn. I was feeling really, really good about life. I got a new truck. Come on, guys out there, who doesn't want a new truck? And so I was just like, yeah, right there. Come on, you know, I'm speaking to someone. And so I was just like, man, life is just going so well right now. Life could not be going any better. The problem was I did not realize I was not spiritually growing, And I just want to take a a minute right here. Isn't it funny how we go through life wanting good things to happen to us? We're like, God, like all those things I just mentioned, like, Lord, bless my family, bless my marriage, help me have a good job, help me get the new truck, help me get the promotion, all those things. But honestly, those things do not translate to a growing relationship with the Lord, right? And so here I was, I was doing all these great things and feeling really confident about myself. And one morning I was just... Uh, praying. I was reading through the book of Jeremiah, and I came across this verse, and it just hit me like it wrecked me. And I want to read it to you guys right now, and it's Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, 29, 12, and 13. I know a lot of you guys know Jeremiah 29, 11. It's hard for me not even say it because we say that verse all the time, but I bet most of you guys don't know the first verses just right after that, and this is what it says. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that word heart, man, that word heart just jumped off the page. Literally just felt like it filled my eyeballs. And I was like, the heart, man, this is really, you hear this all the time in teachings and and other scriptures. It's like, it's always, it's a matter about the heart. God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And I was just contemplating what that means in my own life in that moment five years ago. And God just said, Micah, do you love me with all your heart? Are you seeking me with all of your heart? And I was like, kind of offended at first. I felt like Peter, like, God, you know I love you, right? Like, look at all these things. And I started in my brain saying all the things that I was doing for God. I'm like, God, I'm serving I am uh, leading a life group. I'm on the worship team. Uh, I have a, you know, our marriage is doing good. Our family's doing good. If the church doors are open, I'm here. God, of course I love you. And o- only with the way God really can in his love and grace, but truth, he said, Micah, religious activity does not always mean spiritual maturity. Come on, guys. Religious activity does not always mean spiritual maturity. And when he said that, I mean, I just started bawling in my, like, not like the pretty cry. I was ugly crying on my, alone in my living room, just, you know, like, oh my gosh. I, then God just began to speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, saying, here's all the ways that you are really not seeking me with all your heart. And the first one in the area, it was like pride. I'd allowed pride to enter my life because 
Honestly, with that new job, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a big shot now. I finally got my big boy job, and I'm doing great, and I'm making money, and, you know, I had the house, the car, the, the family, all this stuff, but I allowed pride to come into my life. And the second way, he said, Michael, you've allowed the fear of failure to come into your life. And because with this new job came like a lot more responsibility. I was a unit manager at a financial firm. We were dealing with like millions of dollars every single day. And uh, you know, you make a few mistakes with that and it's like game over, right? And so I was just like, oh, I would, I would go to work even though I loved it. I love the work, I love the people. I'd go to work with this like pit in my stomach. Have you guys ever done that before? You're just like so worried you're gonna make a mistake. I had no joy. My joy was like just, it zapped me because I was so worried I was gonna make a mistake. He also revealed that I had allowed uh, the fear of man into my life uh, because in my previous job, even though I didn't like it all that much, I had freedom to, you know, evangelize and talk to anyone about Jesus. I doubt there was a day where I didn't go by without pulling someone into my office and pray for them. You know how you have those coworkers who are looking a little down? I actually got to have that opportunity for uh, coworkers and employees and just say, hey, come to my office, boom, and I just start praying for them right there. So much so, eventually we started our own Bible study, and that was a life group for a long time. It was just people that worked for me, and for over a year they met in our home, and it was a really fun time uh, in our life together. So uh, I'm doing all that, uh, and so I realized, man, I have the fear, fear of man, because I remember the very first day I went to, or during the first week, it was towards the end of the week of this new job, my boss called me in his office and said, hey, Michael, we love you, we appreciate you, you're doing a great job here, we know you're going to be a great fit, um, but I'm going to have to ask you to remove some of the things you have up in your cubicle, and I just had some signage, like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, a little cross, and I had a little thing I wrote, my love life verse that I want you guys to have, and put it on there, and he was just like, yeah, you're going to have to take all that down we really can't have that in the office and I was like okay but because of that I realized I wasn't sharing my faith anymore I wasn't being bold with my faith I wasn't uh, coming to uh, work thinking like man I'm a Christian who happens to be a manager you know I'm just thinking like now I'm just going into my manager box some guys guys come on we know we compartmentalize things and we can easily just be like hey, I'm in my work box now I'm in my family box now I'm in my religious box and honestly I that's what I turned my relationship with the Lord into it was a box that I was living in and so I just began to cry out to God, like, God, how do I change this? This is not what I want. I want to have a heart after you. I want to seek you with all my heart. And he goes, that's it. It's what you just read. If you want more of me, Micah, you can't just put me in a box, right? If you, what did the verse say? If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. If you seek me with all of your heart, not a part of your heart, not on a Sunday morning, not on a Wednesday night, all of your heart. And hear me, church, this is important because Going to church is important, whether you're in person or, or, or online, right? Serving is an absolute must. And, and worshiping and dancing around brings God so much joy. But here's the deal. You can do that out of religious obligation, right? This is just what Christians do. We come to church, and we serve, and we give, and we do this. And that doesn't develop a relationship with the Lord right? You can also do that out of wrong heart motives, like, you know, you're saving that $20 bill just so someone sees you put it back there, or you're like, man, I hope someone sees that I was serving in kids' ministry both services, and I, I hope someone sees that, you know, I'm dancing off in the corner here because I'm super spiritual. Like, we do those things, and the, uh, those things are important. Do not get me wrong, but they can be done out of religious obligation, and they can be done out of a wrong heart motive, and God convicted me of both of those 
He said, just start seeking me with all your heart in the quiet places and the public places, everywhere, every place that you go, seek me and you will find me. It is a promise of God. That's one of the most greatest promises and I just don't think we hear very much about it. That's an amazing promise. A lot of people are searching for answers right now, right? They're looking for truth. They're doing this and they're like, well, maybe I'll find it here. The promise is if you seek God with all of your heart, whatever situation you're facing right now, the promise is God, you will find God. He will reveal himself to you. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Because the final thing that God just shared with me that morning, I was just crying out before him. He said, Micah, there's nothing more powerful, there's nothing more passionate than the human heart. Nothing. So you have to learn how to guard it. You have to learn how to protect it. And that's what I, like, it's just been a journey. This is not a one-time thing. It's been a journey since then. But before we dive into the, uh, these scriptures, I just want to pray for us and invite the Holy Spirit here. So Father, I just thank you for everyone watching, whether it's online or here in person. Father, send your Holy Spirit. We invite you, Holy Spirit, come and speak to our hearts and our lives. Speak to us in the intimate places, the places where we know we might be drifting, the places where we know we may not be truly seeking you and convict us, love us, God, and I pray that you would touch our hearts in a powerful way. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen. amen. All right, so the title of today's message is The Power of the Heart, okay? So if you, if you like taking notes, I like taking notes, so power of the heart, and I have three points for you, okay? The first point is this. The heart has the power to direct the course of your life. Your heart has the power to direct the course of your life. If you don't believe me, Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart. Everyone say heart. Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. See, I wasn't lying, right? So guard your heart. What does that mean? It says, hey, be careful what you give your heart to. Don't give your heart away just to anything, and especially don't allow just everything into your heart. Guard it. Above all else, guard it. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. Like, man, what does that really mean? And I was thinking about it, and I was like, if the heart determines the course of your life, there's a lot of things that don't determine the course of your life, right? And so uh, God just kind of gave me a few of them I want to share with you. The first one is your knowledge or mental capacity does not determine the course of your life. And what do I mean by that? If This is what I mean. If your relationship with the Lord was determined by how well your knowledge or your mental capacity was, um, I would be in trouble at least, right? Because if it was just like, hey, I have to remember a few scriptures or recite a few psalms, I'll be good. And I praise God it's not because uh, earlier this week we started homeschooling our kids and my responsibility is to teach them Bible class before I go to work, right? So we got this little Louis Giglio Bible study for kids. It's really cool because it's all about science. Uh, but beforehand, I always review their Bible verse that they learned in Rev City Kids because you got to get those Bible bucks, you know, you got to make sure my kids come away with the moolah and so I uh I Wednesday it was like yeah I think it was like midweek so we've already gone through it a few times and I was like all right kids like you know give, tell me your verses and they're not like that hard uh but they weren't 100% sure I was like okay come on like Lord you are really great you are really worthy. And they're like, hey, 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 you're cheating, Dad, you're cheating. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So thank God our religious walk, right, our faith walk with God is not based on memorizing scriptures, or I would not be um, very far along, right? But it's not based on that. It's a matter of the heart. And think about this. Even the Pharisees, they were the religious teachers of the time of Jesus. They had the first five books of the Bible memorized, they could recite it to you from memory. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all of them by memory. And they didn't even recognize Jesus as the Messiah. They had all the knowledge in here, 
they didn't have any knowledge in here. And the, and the common people, praise God, because I feel like I'm a very common person, but the common person who had a heart after God could see Jesus and be like, whoa, there is something different about this guy. The people who had this knowledge missed it. The people who had this revelation found it. So I'm telling you, the heart determines the course of your life. That's a spiritual example, but let me give you a practical example, okay? So say you, it's a Saturday, you step outside, and it's a beautiful day, and all of a sudden you see your neighbor pull up, and he has a brand new car. We'll say it's a truck just for fun. Brand new car, brand new truck pulls up, and you're like, dang, that's a nice truck. I want a new truck. And, but then in your brain, you start thinking, yeah, but I really don't want the, all the extra payments and all this. So you just say, no, that's fine. But then the next week, what does your neighbor do? He pulls up and now he's washing his car and he's waxing his car and he's just flaunting it for the whole neighborhood to see and then you again you're in your brain you're like oh I don't want to go into debt I don't want to have the extra payment you know but I can't I can't afford it but I bet my neighbor really couldn't afford it either so maybe I should get it but here's the determining factor whether or not you're going to go out and get a new car okay it's not the decision you're making here if in here you want that new car Everyone got real quiet all of a sudden, okay? If in here you want that new car, if in here you want that new dress, ladies, even if you have one just like it, but it's a shade different, right? If you want it, if you want that new piece of technology, it's not whether you want it in here or if it's a good decision, bad decision with your budget. If you want it in here, you're going to get it, right? You're going to buy it. Because the heart determines the course of your life. And this is just interesting. When I was doing my study, I found this, okay? I was looking through the strong coordinates, and in the King James Version of the Bible, the brain is not mentioned one time. The brain is not mentioned one time. The heart is cited 826 times. 826 times the Bible mentions the heart, and I'm telling you, because the heart, the heart, the heart, you guys, once you hear, I, this is what I hope it does, okay, when you read the Bible this week, and you see, now it happens to me every time I read it, when you see the word heart, stop, pay attention, okay, go back and figure out, like, what's the context, what's it talking about, because, man, it will change how you read the Bible, I'm constantly reading and I'll come across a new verse, I'm like, oh, man, I've never read this, and it's talking about the heart, it's amazing, all right? So that's the first thing. Our knowledge or mental capacity does not determine the course of our lives. The second thing is that our past, our parents, and our problems do not determine the, uh, the course of your life. And if you guys weren't paying attention, that's three P's, past, parents, and problems. So Pastor T, that's for you. At least you know, at least you know I had something, some revelation from the Lord because it started with three P's. Come on, right? But here's, here's the thing, guys. You might say to me, well, Pastor Michael, you just don't know. You do not know my past. You do not know the parents I had you do not, or have. You do not know the problems that I have faced or am currently facing. And you're right, I don't know. I have worked and, I have worked and have uh, seen a lot of people who have uh, had a really difficult past. Really terrible parents, to be honest. Really difficult, real problems that they're facing. And don't get me wrong, those do affect the, the condition of your heart. But when we start using those things as an excuse as to, and saying things like, well, this is why I'll never get out of debt. This is why my marriage was doomed to failure before we even got married. This is why I'll never be able to break this family addiction because, I mean, look at my parents. It's been going on for years and years and years. I'll never be able to do it. That does not direct or determine the course of your life. It can shape your heart, but look at what the Word of God says in Ezekiel 36. It says, God declares, I will give you a new heart. Come on, everyone say a new heart. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of 
flesh. God wants to give you a new heart of flesh this morning, church, if you just call out to him, if you seek him with all your heart. It's not a matter of your knowledge or mental capacity. It's not a matter of your past, your parents, your problems. It's a matter if you're seeking him with all of your heart. I want you guys to get this. It's so important. You know, so that, those are some spiritual examples, but I just love when you look at practical things and it says the exact same thing the Word of God is, uh, or the Word of God says. So Jim Carrey, I think probably most of us maybe know who Jim Carrey is, famous comedian. Did you know when Jim Carrey was 15 years old, he was homeless? He, he lived in a van with his parents when he was 15 years old. He had to drop out of school and get a job just to support his family, okay? But he always said his heart was set on becoming a comedian, and so after work, after doing all these things, he would go to nightclubs and work on his comedy routine and became one of the best-known comedians, honestly, of his era, right? Albert Einstein, most of us should know who Albert Einstein was. Did you guys re realize Albert Einstein couldn't even speak until he was four years old? Most of his early educators thought he wouldn't amount to anything because he had a hard time focusing and he had really abstract ideas, like surprise, surprise, right? But his heart... But his heart was set on furthering science, and we know him as the man of sciences as we do today. And finally, Benjamin Franklin, okay? Benjamin Franklin's parents could only afford to send him to school until he was 10 years old. Or, sorry, Ben, right? It's like, sorry, you just, we can't afford you to send you to school anymore. That's it. And he could have moped and just been like, okay, right? But no, he self-educated himself from 10 years old on. And in that time when he was alive, there, he, he became a world-renowned inventor. And there was no one around the world who didn't know who Benjamin Franklin was. And because of that opportunity, he even became one of the United States founding fathers, okay? We cannot blame our knowledge, our mental capacity. We cannot blame our past, our parents, our problems. It's a matter of the heart. And if the heart wants it, come on. If your heart wants God, he is easily found. We just have to seek him with all of our hearts. Okay, you guys with me so far? Awesome. All right, point number two, your heart has the power to get God's attention. Your heart has the power to get God's attention. I'm going to use the story of David. I love the story of David. I could talk about David for hours and hours, but I know we got to eat eventually, so I won't do that. Um, but the story of David really starts with the story of Samuel. And Samuel's praying to God, and finally God says to Samuel, hey, go to the house of Jesse, which is David's uh, dad, and go anoint one of his sons as the next king. So Samuel gets up, and he goes over and says, Jesse, bring me out all your sons. And Jesse's like, okay. And Jesse grabs all his sons, except for David. <laughs> He's the only one that he doesn't grab, right? But this is, I want you guys to hear this. David, even as a boy, uh, in the Bible, the, describes David as a man after God's own heart. But this scripture right here, even as a boy, it tells us, this is how I know God, uh, David got God's attention, because even as a boy, he had a heart after God. And I want to speak to the youth in here real fast. Let me see youth, anyone that's like 20 or under, right? Okay, I'm telling you, seeking God with all of your heart does not begin when you become an adult. Getting God's attention does not start when you become a mom, a dad, you get your first big boy job or whatever, right? It starts as a child. It starts as a young adult. And it's just saying, all right, here I am right now, God. I'm going to give you everything I have. Even if, even if that means I'm just going to take care of a few sheep and a few goats. And even if that means the special pastor comes and every, all my brothers get invited, but I'm still here, I'm just going to seek you, God, with everything that I have. And that's what, God's, uh, that's what got God's attention. And as the story goes on, um, Jesse brings all of his sons, and that first son steps forward, and uh, Samuel's like, this is the one. 
This is the one the Lord's anointed because hey, the first son comes up and he's tall, dark, and handsome. I hate tall people, but that, except for Nathan, Hammer, I love you, bro. But uh, he's tall, dark, and handsome, and uh, his family's right here, so I can't even look at him. But uh, tall, dark, and handsome, he has a kingly beard, he's super buff, and uh, he's like, this is it, this is the one. And, uh, and God's like, nope, that's not the one. And one by one, the same things happen, in this, and God says something so amazing. I, I want you guys to get it, so let's read it together. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. This is speaking of David's brother, or brothers. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Come on, our heart has the power to get God's attention. Give God some praise right now. Come on. He doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Come on, that is some really, really good news for us, right? So then in verse 8, right there, it says, uh, Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all of seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Well, well, well they're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. I think that's how Jesse honestly said that. He's just kind of like, oh, dang, you, the prophet called me out. He said, get all my sons. And I only grabbed these sons because I honestly thought, man, this guy would have been the guy if anyone was going to be chosen. Well, I do have my youngest son. And he, but I mean, honestly, he's stinky. He's smelly. He spends his time with the goats. But I, I'll go grab him. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down and eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And I have to pause there because honestly, like, okay, it mentions that he's dark and handsome. At least he's not tall, thank the Lord, right? But uh, he's dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. He gets, but that did not get God's attention, right? That, did, that was not the thing that got God's attention because honestly, he was out there taking care of sheep. And, you know, I'm thankful God didn't make me tall, dark, and handsome because that's not what Adrian wanted. She wanted funny, skinny, and pasty, and she got it. And so I'm just, come on. Us people got to stick together, and I, I think I, I won that one right there. I walked that way ahead, so I'm like, thank you, Lord. Hey, but if you're really good looking, you're not excluded for doing the Lord's work. Just letting you guys know, okay? <laughs> and then the Lord said, Pastor Eddie's like, woo, good. <laughs> and the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And listen, and the spirit of the Lord came, upon, uh, came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Come on. Your heart, your heart, your heart has the power to get God's attention. He's not looking for power. He's not looking for a position. He is looking for a heart, someone whose heart is just fully devoted to him. That's how you get God's attention, okay? And I want to speak to someone in here right now who feels like, man, that you've just been lost. 
that if you were, you feel like David, like everyone gets invited to start this next ministry. Everyone gets to go out to eat with a special speaker. Everyone gets to have this amazing relationship with so-and-so, and here I am, I'm just serving in kids' ministry, or here I am, I'm just making coffee. Here I am, just opening doors for people. I'm telling you, the Lord examines the heart, and we, when we do those things with a heart that's pure and motivated and, and it's not out of religious obligation, we get God's attention. I promise you this. I'm telling you, look at these other verses I want to share with you. Proverbs 21, 2. People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines the heart. 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Come on, right now. Right now, at this very moment, the Lord is looking at the entire earth, looking for a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, a child, a youth, someone whose heart is fully committed to him. Why? So he can strengthen them. So if you need to be strengthened this morning, maybe you need to turn your heart to God and say, God, I, today I'm just giving you everything I have everything. My marriage is falling apart. My business is failing. My kids are uh, fleeing from, uh, from me, but here I am. God, I'm just giving, I'm going to give you everything. Everything is, is yours, and watch him come and strengthen you. Right now, at this very moment, we can call it to God, and we can find him. And Psalm 33, verse 13 through 15 says, the Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. The whole human race. From his throne, he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do guys do we are we finally understanding how powerful the human heart is you can get god's attention you are not neglected you are not alone seek him with all your heart and you you will find him i promise you this now i'm going to say something that may offend you guys i'm sorry not sorry i just have to say it right okay god does not look at our religious activities god doesn't look at our good behavior he doesn't look at our tithing record. He doesn't uh, look at the amount of times we pray each day. He doesn't. Now, are all those things important? Yes, please come to church, whether it's online or in person. Should you give uh, your tithe? Absolutely, that was a killer message that Pastor Eddie gave. Should you come and serve? Yes, all those things are huge, but like I said earlier, come on, we can give those out of religious duty, out of religious obligation, or we can do it from a pure heart, but we cannot turn our relationship into a list of do's, don'ts, dids, and didn'ts, because that's not going to amount to anything in life. Your relationship with the Lord has to be based on sacrifice, on love and trust, and just saying, God, I'm just going to trust you enough to give you my entire heart, everything. That's my marriage, my finances, my family. Just come on, Lord, here it is, and just give it to him, and watch God strengthen you. When we don't, this is what happens. In Jesus' own words, Matthew chapter 15, he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Come on, do you guys understand? We worship God in vain when we don't do it from a sincere and pure heart. Our worship is in vain, meaning it's null, it's void. It doesn't mean anything to God if we don't do it from a pure heart. And here's the deal, and that's like worship, that's serving anything. You might be able to trick and fool other people. You might even be able to trick yourself and feel like, yeah, I'm doing this for God. But God's been doing this a long time. He's been searching man's heart since man was created. He's really good at it, and he will not be fooled. You cannot fool God. The world may look on the outside, but the Lord examines the heart. There's nothing more powerful and more passionate than the human heart. 
is always looking not at the what, but at the why. Why are you doing this? That's always a great question to ask yourself. Why? Why am I doing this? Why am I serving? Why am I giving? You can just turn into this thing. It's like even tithing. I don't know why. This is not in my notes, but I just feel like God was convicting me earlier this week. We just do the automatic payment, right? It just comes out of our thing, so I don't have to worry about it. But like, God's just challenging me. Like, that's just the beginning point why we heard this morning. I want to do more. I want to be like, man, it's not just something that comes out. Like, I want to be excited. I want to be writing a check and just be like, wow, I can't believe I'm blessed to give that much. I'm so excited what God is doing. Come on. We can get God's attention with our heart because that's what God looks at. Finally, the third point is that a pure heart gives us the power to pray. It gives us the power to pray. I want you to look at Romans 8, verses 26 through 27. And this is what it says. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And I don't know about you guys, if you ever read that, I remember reading it the first time when I was probably a teenager, and I'm thinking like, what is this talking about? I had no idea, like, am I supposed to groan when I pray? Am I supposed to hear the Holy Spirit groan for me? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, oh, Lord, like, uh, what is it, what's it saying? I don't know, right? But this is, I really, when I was praying about it and looking at this, it's like, what does this mean? And God's like, hey, Micah, the answer is right there in verse 27. Verse 27, the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Guys, come on. I love this verse for two reasons. First, it shows us that yet again, God knows all hearts. Actually, if you have the NIV and if you're looking at it, it's translated searches. God searches all hearts as we pray. Come on, that means as we pray, God is searching our heart, not just are you praying, but why are you praying it, right? You have all those people that's like, hey, please, you know, pray for my wife. She's been so nagging this week. She really needs God. Like, that's not praying, and that's not asking a prayer request. That's just gossiping, right? Come on, God searches our hearts when we pray. I love it for that reason. Here's the second reason. Because God searches our hearts when we pray, we don't have to have perfect prayers. You guys know what I'm talking about? Come on, you know back in the day when we used to actually hold hands in a prayer circle? Now we're like, you know, get get six feet, please, and we make this bigger circle and we start praying. But man, I get spiritually intimidated when uh, people start praying these like really powerful prayers and they're like quoting scriptures and they're saying like these and thous and they're all like, come on, you know, John 3.16 says this and, and, and uh, you know, Psalm 1 says this. And I'm like, dang, I need to read my Bible more. They are killing it. And I'm just like, I'm a pastor and I'm feeling, feeling intimidated how they're praying, right? But here's the deal. God knows our hearts when we pray. And so practically, this is what it means to me. I hope this encourages you. As I'm driving my car, um, I do two, one of two things. Uh, if I have kids in my car, I'm usually just like, stop, stop, please. But if I'm by myself, I'm either listening to worship music or I am uh, praying. And sometimes I just feel like I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've run out of words to pray. I don't know what to pray. And eventually I just come to God and I'm like, and it could be something like, in my family, it could be something to do uh, with the church, or maybe some like social thing that's going on in the United States right now. I'm like, God, you know, you know my heart. Search my heart. I, I need you to move powerfully on this situation. I need you to show up. I need you to show up and reveal yourself to this person. I don't know what else to pray. I don't know what's going to get his attention or her attention, but I need you to show up. I need you to speak your love and your truth. Search my heart. Know what I'm trying to say, and I know this. When I pray like that, the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, and the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Come on. When you have a pure heart, you actually have the power to pray. You have the power to pray. 
I'm just going to invite the worship team up here real fast. You guys can come on up. I want to make sure we have plenty of time. We have so much more to talk about. We're going to look at this the next few weeks, and we're going to really be looking at the uh, power and the passion of the heart. But I want to make sure we have plenty of time. I want to have plenty of time to do business with God, okay? So right where you're at, I'm going to have, I have three questions for you, and I just hope you really take this. I just, I'm asking those at home, those in here right now, would you just take the time and really ask yourself these questions, okay? The first one is this. Ask yourself, where is my heart right now? Where is my heart right now? If that's a difficult question for you to answer, maybe I can ask it this way. Where are your treasures right now? Right here, Matthew 6, or Matthew 6, 21 says, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Where are your treasures? Where are you spending your time, your energy, your talents, all those things? Man, Pastor Thomas's message last week when he was speaking about eternity and just realized, man, are we focused on this little red dot when we have eternity to live for? Are we more focused on this little red dot? Hey, the st my socks are doing great, or I just got the new promotion, or I'm just doing this, I'm just doing that. Are we more focused on that, or are we focused on eternity? Where is your heart right now? Are you hoping for a political movement to save this nation? Or are you believing in God that he's going to help this nation? Amen. Come on. Where is your heart? Where are you putting your trust? Because we have to learn to guard it. Above all else, we have to learn to guard our hearts. For it determines the course of our lives. Second thing I want you to ask yourself is, what do I need to do to keep my heart following after God? How do I keep my heart following after God, because here's the deal, I know there's lots of people in this room right now who are seeking God with everything that they have. I mean, you're in the quiet place, in the secret place, you're praying, you're crying out to God, and, and in this season, this pandemic season, you're just like, you've drawn so close to him, and that's amazing, but how do you keep your heart there? Look at Matthew 5, 8, it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. All right, so how do I keep my heart pure? Second Timothy 2, so flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. 1 John 5.21 says, Dear children, keep away from anything. Keep away from anything. Anything means anything that might take God's place in your heart. And the Lord was even convicting me last night. Uh, Adrian and I were, uh, started a, a new show a couple weeks ago, and we were, it was like so funny. It was one of the funniest shows I had seen in a long time, and we love comedies. But then all of a sudden, the Lord started convicting me because they were just talking about, they were vulgar language, and there were some other things in there that um, I was just like, man, I, I wouldn't want to watch this in front of Jesus. I certainly wouldn't want my kids to be watching it with us, and if, if I don't want that, and is this really the best thing? And, you know, you kind of tell yourself, ah, well, let's watch one more show. Maybe that was just a one-off. And then, like, last night, it was, like, the worst episode that we had seen. I was just like, honey, no, we can't do it. So I'm not saying, I would be lying to you guys if I said five or six years ago, hey, I found out I need to give my heart to God, and I'm going to seek him. And, and, and since then, my life's just been perfect. No. This is a daily thing. This is something that I w wake up and I say, God, today I'm protecting my heart. I'm not going to allow anything into my heart. I'm not just going to give it away to anything or anyone. And because of that, I know God's going to bless me. And I give you my heart today. Flee from youthful passions. 
Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. And along with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart, guys, that's a church. Those who call upon the name of the Lord from a pure heart, come on, what he's saying right there is like, don't, don't neglect meeting together. Whether it's online or in person, you need to protect your heart. You need to be connected to a body of believers. In some way, somehow, some fashion, life group, Sunday morning, something. And finally, I want you to ask yourself this question. What do I need to do if my heart is far from God? What do I need to do if my heart is far from God? And I believe as I just started speaking this morning, sharing my testimony, there's people in this room and maybe even watching online that you just heard that story and you're just thinking, nailed it, that's me. I've turned my walk with God into a religious obligation. I've turned my life, uh, my walk with God into just, you know, this I, I, a wrong heart motive. I want people to see me, and I want God's blessings, and, and, and I realize my heart is completely off. Maybe you just sense that right up front, or maybe someone's in here or watching online who's just like, wow, wow, I've never thought about, like, you know, I've tried to become a Christian in, in, in the past, but I didn't really know I had to give God everything. I just thought it was like, you know, I said a prayer, and, or maybe if I was a good person, uh, then I'll seek God. It doesn't say, hey, be a really, really good person, don't do anything wrong, and you'll find God. It says, seek him with all of your heart, and then you'll find him. And if any one of you fall into that category this morning, I just want to share this last verse with you, Romans 10, 9. It says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead. Are you guys seeing this? Every time you see this word heart, it's going to jump off the page at you because there's nothing more powerful, more passionate than the human heart. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone, and I repeat everyone, I repeat everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a promise. Doesn't matter where you're at right now. You could be an inch. You realize, man, there's just little things. Maybe even God convicts you about a TV show or a movie that you're watching or something. You could just be that close, or it's something, man, you realize your heart is miles away from God. I'm going to ask you to stand. I just would love everyone to stand. And even at home, if you're watching online, just take a moment and stand. We're doing business with the Lord. If you're able, please just stand. And then I just want to ask you guys to search your heart and say, Lord, search my heart. Reveal anything in me, anything in me that has taken your place in my heart. Honestly, just do this right now. Just seek God. Seek him in your marriage, in your finances, in your career. Has anything taken God's place in your heart? Or maybe you've realized that you've never really loved the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Maybe you've never really made that commitment. If you want to make that commitment today, either give your heart to God for the first time or just say, all right, God, you show me there's a new, there's an area I want to give my, my heart to fully to you. Would you just raise your hand so I know who I can pray for? Don't delay. Just come on, just raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Hands. Thank you, Lord. Come on, you're just saying, I, I don't have it all together, but I know who I need to go to to get it all together. You can put down your hands, and I just want to pray for you guys, okay? 
And I would just encourage you guys, no matter whether you raise your hand or not, would you please just pray this prayer? And we pray it together for two reasons, okay? First one is just because we are a family here at Rev City. And what that means is we're here to support you. We're here to love you. We're here to come alongside you. And even in this moment as we pray, if you didn't raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to pray it with them because it just shows them, for those who are making a decision online or right here, it says, like, we are family. We're going to do this together because we're stronger together. Amen? Second reason why we do this is because it reminds us we never graduate from grace. I have to be reminded of this all the time. I need to say this prayer, and I've been saying it this week. I'm like saying it from a genuine heart, be like, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I know I need this, and like I need to be reminded of those things. I have not been perfect the last five or six years, but my heart, I, I, I will tell you this, I, every time I can tell now when my heart starts going off course, I realize, oh, I'm storing up some treasures. I've allowed something to come into my heart. I've given away to my heart to something that I shouldn't have. And I can boldly go to the throne room of grace. I can boldly go there and say, God, here I am again, a sinner, forgive me. And he's like that, like that. He's ready to forgive. So would you just take this moment and repeat after me? Say, Father, I am a sinner. Forgive me. I declare that Jesus is Lord of my life. And believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Create in me a new spirit and a new heart. I give you that heart. And now I give you my trust. And because of the blood of Jesus, I will never be the same. Come on, let's give God a hand because he is worthy, he is faithful, he is just, he is true. Come on, worship team, would you lead us? Guys, I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful, more passionate than the human heart. So let's sing from this new position, okay? Amen? Come on.